It's Bibliovile, the terrible book exchange podcast where our wife and her husband get each other the worst books they can find. For this episode of Bibliovile, I read Stephanie Tyler's Viper's Rule and Nick read Serpent's Storm by Amber Benson. Welcome to Bibliovile, the terrible book exchange podcast. My name is Meg Dickinson. And I'm Susan Dickinson. And we are back here to bring you two terrible books that we bought from a terrible book bin at a bargain bin book buyeria. Yeah. Yeah, sorry. Here's a question. Now that we own these books, what are we going to do with them? Well, I drew on mine sometimes. I underlined and made notes. and uh, But yeah, now that we own them, I think we're going to give them to people. I think... We should sign them. them. Yeah, we should donate them to a little free library. That's bad for society. The whole point of libraries is to uplift the oh, people. Okay, fine. I think we should sign them and sell them on GoFundMe because we're obviously such a popular podcast that we can You're pull right. some of those publicity stunts. What are we doing a GoFundMe for? Us, like to have money. What are you talking? Oh, okay. Well, I didn't know if there was like a specific thing that you were raising no, money I'm greedy. For, for I'm us. greedy. I'm just, a greedy man. I'm a, yeah. I'm a miser. Oh, yes, definitely. We're definitely a bunch of misers. So cheap. (laughs) Um, Um, But speaking of cheap, these books that we got were only like $2.50 each, I think. Yeah, I think it was four for $10. Let me do the math here. Checks out. $2.50. Yeah. American. You got four and I got four. Which means we have... $20. And how many books? Four, eight. (laughs) We're really good at math. Um, I think that the one that I had last week wasn't as bad as I thought it was going to be. It, it could have been much worse. This one, however, was real bad. Oh, yeah? Viper's yeah. Rule by so, Stephanie Tyler. Susan, I, ha- I hate to fight with you, but... Uh, it says right here that Stephanie Tyler is a New York Times best-selling author. You can't get that and be bad at writing books. I mean, tell that to every other bibliophile author we've ever written. Tell that to the people on the New York Times op-ed page. I Am I right? Uh, so, Meg, can you tell me, when you saw this book in the bin, what was it that made you think, this one, this is the one? Um... I have to say, uh, even though he's no longer, uh, from the back, even though he's no longer a U.S. soldier, Talon, Tal's Garrity. There we go. That, that's all it took. Yeah, our main character's name is Tal's. You know how Talon is too long to say? So Tal's. And you know how Tal's just really rolls off the tongue? Tal's Garrity. I'm getting rid of the pop filter. So if Tal's the Tal's Garrity. If the audio takes a distinct drop, it's because the pop filter is pissing me off. Um, I, we recently had an event at work in the concert hall of the School of Music building on campus, and we had one of the sound engineers was, like, on duty helping us, um, and so he did all of our microphone stuff, and he was, like, giving us instructions about how to make our voices sound really good on the particular microphones that we were using. Um, maybe we should have him come give me lessons on this one, but he, uh, had us 
practice popping our P's above the microphone, like made us just say a bunch of words that started with the letter P mm. to practice. It was really funny. What did Peter Possum do? <laughs> um, he pecked a peck, pick a pep, pick a pep, pep, pep. Uh, that's been Bibliovile. I'm going to call an ambulance. Uh, so thank you for joining us. We'll, we'll keep you updated on Susan's progress. Pray for her, please. The new GoFundMe is for the operation. Oh, no. Are you trying to say that he picked a peck of pickled peppers? <laughs> yeah, I was, but I couldn't do it. You really just like, you look like that was the sentence equivalent of those uh, old timey movies of the of like proto planes trying to fly. And then just cuts to black. Please stand by. Yeah. When the, they tried to make the, like before the Wright brothers got to it, they were trying to make a plane flap its wings. Like that was that sentence. Just watching you get yeah. there through it. Anyway, you know what? we did it. We uh, made it. We made it through. It's I did. Uh, but anyway, tell me about <laughs> Viper's rule, which does not have an apostrophe S. So this has to be that Vipers, the, like the gang, they rule. They're great. Oh, they rule the area because they're the gang in charge. Yeah, but Viper's rule would be yeah. like the rule of the Vipers, which would necessitate yes. an apostrophe. It doesn't have it. The Viper's rule. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Viper's rule. Steve so- Holt. <laughs> Do you remember you got me a, a book? It was an airplane book, like a fighter jet book. Oh, War Thunder. They, yeah, where they just kept naming planes. I was really afraid that this book was going to be that, except with cars and motorcycles, because in the first paragraph, we get a 1974 Pontiac Firebird Trans Am, an SD-455, 19, a 1968 Ford Mustang GT5, zero zero kr like all of this stuff and i was really worried that we were going to have another plane situation Uh, on our hands instead uh going in the opposite uh direction of pixar we went from planes to cars Mm -hmm. but that didn't happen um no it didn't it didn't get too bad but the book did uh the the (laughs) naming of the cars didn't get too terrible but the rest of the book got real annoying i think that was the prequel to this book the stephanie tyler's the naming of the cars The naming of the cars rick okasic this that's all i got is a book about a motorcycle club in mc uh called the vipers oh they rule and wouldn't you know it but most of the guys in the mc are former military and they're bad boys who have to control their women troops gang yep troops gang uh so our our plot as much as we have follows towels garrity uh who likes to live on the edge and he's an enforcer for the vipers motorcycle club um he's an eternal bad boy especially with the ladies and our female protagonist is named maddie wells she's from the right side of the tracks Mm. they're in a town called skulls creek the rich neighborhood is called jessamine um maddie's from jessamine and jess is that what is jessamine i don't know a name it's not all right there's not a lot of like made-up names for neighborhoods right like Hunter's just, Creek. Maybe or it's like a flower. Bowman Hill or whatever. Maybe it's a flower. I don't know. I don't know. Someone um, tried to steal somebody else's Jess and they're like, hey, that Jess is mine. <laughs> um, so Maddie is. So Maddie and Tal's were like friends and had a thing in high school, but then he got arrested because of her. 
and Statutory. they stopped talking. No, because he tried to kill the guy who tried to rape her. Because of uh, course there what? was an attempted rape. Uh, 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 sorry, we forgot that we oh, did we this. Oh, we forgot thing. this. Yeah, we were gonna do it. So everybody, go ahead and get out your smartphone or or iPad or uh, go to an internet cafe and draw up the uh, official Bibliovile account, which is of course at Bibliovile. We've provided a a bingo card. Uh, I don't know why I'm opening the Twitter version, but sure. Um, the bingo card that helps us to understand uh, if we're reading a truly bibliophile story or not. Uh, and we can already cross one of them off because sexual assault as uh, uh, character building, mm-hmm. I believe, is on there. If you see it before I do, let me know. Yes. Um, another one is character has a tragic backstory involving the death of their parents. Uh, we can cross that one off too well, for we towels. Heard that. Let's go in order. Okay. Okay. So we got. Let's see here. Character has tragic backstory involving sexual assault. Cross mm-hmm. that off. That is uh, second from the right, second from the bottom. All right. Yes. Um. So these two have like a history, and um. Then they sort of like stopped talking. She moved away. She got married. She worked her way up the ladder and became like really high up at this company. And she was married to the CFO of this company. Uh, It is pitched as though she has had this very long career after undergrad and graduate school to really work her way up to the top of the company, and she is 25. Well, she married the CFO. That's, yeah. that's gumption. But now they're getting a divorce, so she comes back to Jessamine, mm. um, and she and decides... And steals her Blackberry. She, she decides that she wants to um, try to make things right with towels, and so ah. she decides that she's going to pursue him would you say did we get to see the arrest in the initial like couple scenes yes we did so time skips all right cross another Uh uh-huh um so we have those those two like those are our two protagonists she decides that she is going to pursue him um, so she's like asking him out on dates she keeps calling him all the time gross a woman and he this is, I think, the first clear example of how terrible the writing is, is that it's this same thing that we often get in these books of like, I really want to date you and I want to give this another try because I'm really into you and I think that this could be something. Is that really what you want, Maddie? Because I just think you're going to run away again. <laughs> like, well, no, I, re- I really want this. Like, I'm trying to pursue you to prove to you that yeah. I want to be in a relationship Gotta play with hard you. to get. Well, I just don't know, Maddie, because I feel like you're just going to run away again. And then eventually she's like, okay, well, if you don't want to do this, then we don't have to and I'll back off. See, like, I'm always here for you and I'm always going to be here for you and you just run away. Like, this is so infuriating. Why do we always do this? We got to play hard to get. That's the way human relationships work. It's really not, though. Human relationships. Um, Say no, mean yes. So the bad writing in this book is kind of hard to explain. It's not like the Hungry Baby book where it's like you can read specific sentences and be like, look how awful this is. Yeah. It's just sort of like as a collective, things just don't 
gel. Like the characters don't make sense. The like moving from one plot point to the next, it just doesn't really work. Um, so I'm going to read some pieces to try to help that come across. But we describe one of the fellow MC members as Bear was having a blast in that way only a red-blooded American male could, without reservations, unabashed, with no limits. Like, Sometimes okay. I have a blast with reservations. <laughs> Going to a fancy restaurant, I get there on time, my table's ready for me. That's how to have a reservation while having a blast. Um, here's some backstory on our main character, uh, Tals, and his twin brother, Ten. He and Ten had grown up on what was most definitely the wrong side of the tracks in Skulls, but now there really wasn't a wrong side, just an MC side. Skulls was thriving. There wasn't violence or squalor, in no small part due to Preacher, who's the head of the the mm. head of the MC. When you think about it, the, the motorcycle gang is really the real law. Basically, yes. Uh, in, I mean, fuck cops. We all understand that. But at the same time, like, yeah. come on. In no small part due to Preacher taking over Vipers. Still, they worked hard to keep out of trouble, mainly in the form of drug-pushing MCs, and Tal's knew most of the Skulls community didn't fully understand or appreciate the Vipers' role in that. Preach always said he didn't give a shit, but being treated like he was a criminal definitely got to him. Tal's had been looked on as one for so long as he could remember, but he'd also always gotten a lot of interest from the women of Skulls. And the army. And Vipers. Havoc, too. And Havoc allowed him to indulge in stealing and racing cars without bringing the law into Skulls or on Vipers. I have no idea who Havoc is. I'm also... Is that a person? I'm assumedly a prior protagonist. I am having... An insane time tracking what each sentence is about because Same. it's They're trying all over the place. They jump around so much. It's like trying to link two things together, but not doing a very good job of it. Uh, so you're saying that he's the eternal bad boy that protects the law, uh-huh. doesn't push drugs or take them. Mm-hmm. So sometimes he beats up bad guys. That makes yeah. him the bad guy. Yeah, exactly. Um, Dumb. Then 55 pages later. Here's another paragraph. What used to be the bad side of town had changed. Rumor had it that Vipers brought up property here as it became available, fixed it up, sold some of the property, kept some. There was still a distinct feel between the two sides of town. Not in the good bad way. This side was considered more artsy and modern as opposed to the more old-fashioned feel of the gated communities. There was room for both, an acceptance of the two sides of the city, even if Vipers' MC wasn't completely embraced. Not in the good bad way? Not in the good slash bad way. Oh, like one is good and yeah. the other. Okay. But it's like 55 pages later, we're basically saying the same exact hey, thing. Hey, at least it's not saying something completely different. That's why you guys, you had me worried that it was going no. to be like. Um, but that I feel like that's kind of a good example of the book just feels so disjointed. And you said that about being unable to track every individual sentence in that first paragraph. Like it all feels, each chapter feels like a totally different book. Um, we even sort of rotate between a couple of different couples. Like we have Maddie and Tals are our main protagonists, but we also have Preacher and the woman that he's dating, whose name I already forgot, Holly. Um, wouldn't you know it, both Holly and Maddie are not like other girls. Hey, uh, I do really like the uh, uh, boys get a nickname, but women have to have traditional names. Exactly. Um there's a lot Uh-oh, of... Uh-oh, I'm seeing a uh, possible bingo here. Uh-huh. We'll let it happen. Uh-huh. Okay. There's a lot of 
sexism in this. You keep your woman under control. Talzin was only half kidding. Less than a quarter kidding. Yeah, right. What happened to women obeying? Like, there's just a lot of that. Like, you have to get your woman in line, which is really annoying and unfortunate. The bitch fell off. Yeah, right. Um, okay, here's, here's a paragraph that I wrote down. What does this paragraph even mean? The turnoff to Talz's place included a very long and winding private road that eventually would put Maddie's in front of his house. Maddie's what? Maddie's road? Maddie's house? Uh-huh. But it reminded her of the tension she'd always felt in her gut every time she'd waited outside the gates of her grandmother's house for him. How they'd gotten that far in under a year's time always amazed her. I don't understand what that paragraph means. Um, she is at her grandmother's house at her grandmother's gates. Uh-huh. Is, are Maddie's parents dead? Um, no, but Tal's parents are dead. Uh, right. His dad killed his mom. Ah, that is indeed a tragic backstory. That's why he joined the military. You can't join the military yeah. without some sort of trauma. Exactly. Never ever for other reasons. Yeah. Um, so he's trying to explain to her why he's upset about something. Christ, where did he even start? The fact that he'd been pretty much born into Vipers? Did he mention that his mom was an escort and starred in porn films and that Ten had started dipping his toes in those waters, convinced it was a good way to make a living for a guy? Towels wanted a relationship that wasn't about performing. He did enough of that, in bed and in real life. Hey, Every uh, time he went out and pretended he was an easygoing guy. Because he wasn't. Which meant he had to pretend even harder to keep up the facade. It was always the quiet ones, the ones who seemed the happiness, who ca- happiest, who carried the most pain. It was how he'd recognized Maddie. And the hours with her were the only times he wasn't pretending. What? What? is going on in the narration that is giving us the idea that he is not actually, in fact, an easygoing guy. He's just really broody and mad about everything all the time. A real raff. So then there is, here's where things kind of go off the rails, right? Like, we get what the plot of this book is. It's about these two characters, they're going to bone. Are you saying that it's a completely unnecessary convoluted plot around two people hooking up? Well, Nick... Maddie's car has a bomb attached to it, so they have to basically kidnap her and keep her at the MC headquarters. They find out that That's her the husband, worst rapper name I've ever heard. Her husband is involved with uh, some bad deals with the Albanian mafia, mm. and they're going after Maddie as a way of trying to get to Hugh. So, yeah, completely unnecessary convoluted plot around nice. two people hooking up. All right. There it's it look, is. It's looking good. There it is. Okay, let's see what else we got here. Um, More of the tragic backstory. His dad killed his mom. He had just gotten out of prison the day before. He was pissed that she took us away from our original Tallahassee chapter. He came into the house and dot, dot, dot. Um, So there's the tragic backstory about dead parents. Um, Let's see. There's just a lot of like, I want to be with you. No, you don't. I want to be with you. Why? Why don't you want to be with me? Like, it's they just go back and forth for hundreds and hundreds of pages. Yeah. And it is so infuriating. Star-crossed lovers. It's very annoying. Um, oh, here we go. She stood, almost lost her balance, and he caught her. They were so close, and the heat she'd always remembered between them was still there. Her nipples hardened, and her body pulled toward him like a divining rod. Divining, divining rod. Um, so... 
We got some heat. Don't worry. Pretty soon we're going to get to the hunger. Oh, yeah? Uh-huh. Why did she fall over? Is she just clumsy? She is clumsy. Is that on our backstory? I don't think so. Or is that on our, our what is this called? Bingo. Bingo. No. Um, let's see. We got precocious child, not clumsy lady. Yeah. That should be free space. <laughs> clumsy protagonist. That would be that would be a pretty good one. Um, of course, she was sexually assaulted. We get more of her backstory. Um, they lock her up at Viper's MC headquarters. Like, they basically say, like, you can't leave. Um, good thing they're actually good, though. So. Yeah. The, she wondered how many women Vipers kept in rooms like this under the guise of protection. But, turns out, it's actually sexy. You know, keeping people locked up, pretty much. Um, I think that uh, we as a society should... Eternal sunshine of the spotless mind, Fifty Shades of Grey. I know that I'm gonna didn't... need you to break that sentence down for me. I only referenced two different things. One, okay. I know. I'm just kidding. Um, I know that the whole thing didn't start there, but I think Fifty Shades made it much, much worse. Yeah, I think so. Uh, Eternal sunshine of the spotless mind is a really good movie about. It's kind of a try-hard movie, I guess, if you want to be internet ironic about it, but it's pretty good, uh, about a guy, Jim Carrey, who wants to forget Kate Winslet, and mm. so he goes to get his memories deleted. And then he oh. finds out that it's actually the memories that, you know, make life worth it. So oh, it's I very see. good. I think we watched it maybe one time yes, in college. We, did. we must have been a little busy. A little distracted. All um, that heat and hunger. All that hunger. We probably, um, let's see. When I watch Jim Carrey, I just can't help it. He gives this whole, I'm not even going to read it because it's two full pages long, this whole speech about how when you're mine, you're mine. There's no running away. There's no being with your family. You run shit by me instead of running from me. I'm going to go ahead and cross off. Not listening to no is pitched to sex. Absolutely, sexy. yeah. Um, if it were up to me, I'd put you over my shoulder and take you out of here right now. I'd walk you out in front of your family and tell them that I'll keep you safer than you've ever been in your life. I'm not letting you make any decision without me standing there. It's gross. It's real Barf. gross, and I hate it, yeah. No good. No good. She looked frightened. At the same time, he knew that she didn't want him to stop. She knew what to say if that's what she wanted. Like, oh, I think if she looks scared, you should maybe not, bud. The kiss was punishing, meant to show her that she was no longer in charge, because she'd definitely been under that impression. Time to shatter that illusion for good. Time to teach her her place. Gross. Um, oh, here's the gross one. Uh, there are lots of different measures of success. He ran a hand over her breast. Like, to me, this is success. <laughs> Look, I don't know if he's saying that he's defining success by the fact that he gets to touch her boobs or that she has good ones. She has successful titties. She has very successful titties. The other couple that we occasionally follow, Preacher and Holly, there's a lot of talk about, like, he tells her all the time. They haven't had sex yet, but he tells <laughs> her all the time Virgin. about how much he's jerked off to her. Um, and there are, I didn't write down the page number, but there are a couple scenes where he's, like, talking to himself, like, looking at her or whatever, and, like, does talk to his own wiener. That's a bingo. That's a bingo. Would say. We just say bingo. Okay. Um, however, that... For such a bad boy, he is down bad. He is simping quite hard if he is uh, with a woman that is not having sex with him, but he's jerking off nonstop to her. Yeah, he's down hard. But he's also down having bad. a lot of sex with uh, 
other women. Which is not her. I don't know. Whatever. Um, <laughs> they fix the thing with the Albanian mafia. She moves in with him because, of course, everything's really romantic. That's about it. All right. It's dumb. That sounds pretty dumb. The Albanian mafia, the Black Eagles, of course. Hmm. I like the uh, flag. I like the dick and balls that you've drawn on our bingo card. Thank you. Was our was my book this boring? You tell me. <laughs> was me telling you about this book this boring? No, I just uh-huh. do. Hey, studies, pedagogical studies have come out. Pedagogical? Yeah, I've come out <laughs> to say that sometimes dueling helps people listen as opposed to preventing them from listening. Mm-hmm. Mm. Yeah, so, I see. When you think about it, we have a single bingo. We. Uh, Unless you can throw me a council of some kind, uh, I don't think motorcycle gangs count as a secret society. No. Um, we did we get hunger as a sexual desire? Yes. We would still need the council though. Yeah. Well, a single bingo. A- the the brother character does explain the motivation of the protagonist, so we did do uh, that. All right, came pretty close. Then. Yeah, we came pretty close to a double bingo. Any interrupted sex scenes? Um, no, not oh. that I can recall. All right. Well, All right, let's see if we can get a bingo for you. Yeah, we should trade places so that you can take care of it. All <laughs> right. <clears throat> the This book is crazy. I read Serpent's... Like good crazy? No, I oh. read Serpent's Storm by Amber Benson. As I figured it out, it is the third in the Calliope Reaper Jones novel. Thank God she goes by Callie. This is also the first book that has a hotter about the author picture than a cover model picture. Yeah, for sure. And I don't, I, I'm sorry, lady who posed as Calliope, but. Uh, author's hotter. Author's hotter, mm-hmm. I guess. Should have just put her on the cover. Um, there's a lot to unpack from the back. It's just uh, too much. And it's like, remember that one time I got you the uh, first Otherworld book? It wasn't the first one. It was like the 17th. Yeah, it was, yeah, book. 17 or 19 yeah. or and something. And so there's all these new characters yeah. and there's the glossary in the back and it's like, okay, that's the 17th book. This is a third. Mm-hmm. And I was probably as confused as you uh, about it. So um, I'm just going to go ahead. Uh, the prologue starts with a woman who is unnamed being freed, freed from jail by a demon person. It's like, okay, cool. I'm sure that means a lot to somebody who's read this other book. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then it's presented as a mystery about who is who is pulling the strings on this particular, th- I'm like the lady from the beginning, yeah. who I don't know who it is. I can But you can already her. tell you, yeah. All right. Just to help you out, I'm just going to summarize the whole book okay. because I'm glad uh, I can do that for you because nobody in the book seemed intent <laughs> on explaining what was happening to me. So count the periods in this uh, thing I'm about to say. Callie is death's daughter and is confronted by a werewolf on a subway car and is then imbued with powers. She kills the wolf and goes to work where the uh, intern is secretly the ender of death, a sort of nemesis where they fight each other. Uh, but he kills not her, but Jarvis, her secretary. And it turns out her boss is a Valkyrie and they go to some random island where she kicks around before becoming a sea serpent with a Japanese sea god who talks, uh, walks her to dinner. But then she has to fight her boyfriend who is also in the running to be death now that her dad is dead. And for some reason, they have to fight in Atlantis but she runs away to heaven uh, with Jarvis in a dead man's body and talks to God, who simply inhabits her body without any description about God themselves, who reminds her that humanity is good enough, so she hatches a plan to cause a revolt in hell to distract from the battle in purgatory so she can go kill her sister. I'm not really sure why she was there. I'm not sure the original plan, but she wins and becomes death, but her boyfriend is the new devil, but they broke up at the end. 
One. One period. I don't, I, th- I think you're overcounting it. Oh, the end. The end one, I guess, was one. Yeah. Uh, I'm sorry. I didn't catch on that. Can you do it again? Uh, <laughs> uh, I did not mention that sirens exist. You take a train on the New York uh, subway to get to heaven. Uh, there are numerous fights, but no one tries very hard. Like, you know, in other world when they'd sometimes take a break from the fight and yeah. go have a chat. Just like, and like have a, a deep conversation. And an orange slice or whatever. Yeah. Like, there's fights that are one-on-one. Our main character is not particularly good in them in any way, but she is immortal. So she gets, like, her chest caved in several times. But is like, she's like, ow, and then Deadpool's her way out of it, I guess. Uh, but no one is trying very hard because everyone's immortal. So, like... What are you doing? But usually immortal means that, like, you're not going to die of old age. It doesn't mean that you can't be killed. Yeah, she can't unless they use her weakness. Uh, she cheats on her boyfriend with a different person whose uh, backstory I thought was going to be a thing, and it just wasn't. They just had sex. Uh, she is friends with the Hindu god of death who consistently refers to her as white girl. Like, in every sentence she talks to her. It'd be one thing if it's like, okay, yeah, it's an Indian god. Uh, it'd be one thing to be like, oh, white girl is death in this universe and also mm. apparently the christian god is also a, mm. i don't know jesus is not mentioned to be fair so it's monotheistic okay. other than the other god of death but in every sentence she's referred to as white girl and the hindu uh, god is talking it's maybe overdoing it a little bit yeah and then all the grim's reaper uh that we would think of as the grim reaper that like comes and actually collects the soul is narrated two or three times where they, they work in partners. They're called harvesters. Mm. Uh, and they show up in Victorian clothing, the spookiest of clothing. You know it. I want to know. Hey, are these harvesters, are they from a particular like country or part of the world? Not that I know of. Oh, I didn't know if there were international harvesters. <laughs> <laughs> hey Um... They are dressed in Victorian clothing, the spookiest of clothing, as I said. Uh, but that brings to the question, like... People have been dying for quite a while. If yeah, so I've what did they history. wear before the Victorian era? I don't know. Plague masks. And then what did they wear before that? Caveman loincloths or whatever. A sad toga. Mm. A toga no. Um, so I don't know. But uh, they work in pairs where one has like a little jar of stuff that the soul is just so darn hungry for. I don't yeah. know. It's never explained what's in the jar. They just want it. And then, Maybe that's uh, what they put the soul in. No, they don't. They huh. catch it in a butterfly net and then walk off. Maybe they move it from the butterfly net to the jar. I don't think so. Or else why the butterfly jet? Just let it go in the net, go into the jar. It's like it's like a schmackerel, a soul honey or something. I don't really understand it. So they're soul takers. Soul takers. Soup yeah. takers. Um, so our main character, who is uh, helpfully referred to as Callie throughout the thing, wakes up in bed naked with uh, the man who is the devil's protege, who sold his soul to the devil for immortality. Uh, and now is working to bring the soul down or the devil down. Uh, and man, oh man, they do want to get together. And she's like, oh, this is not working. And the devil's protege is like, no, you're just uh, scared because you always get scared. And so let's have sex. And then she says, no, uh, I don't want to actually. You're distracting me from our conversation. Mm. Uh, and so we do get an interrupted sex scene pretty uh, okay. close. This is all, uh, everything they're doing is supposed to be secret. Uh, so there's a secret society or okay. powers. Let me look. It is in first person. It is in past tense, though. Uh, lots of capital case uh, vocabs. Love the title case. Uh, there is not. She does not have uh, the uh, male pro- or male hobby that most female protagonists usually get. 
Uh, she has uh, attempted to be made into the most feminine uh, woman that can exist in a book, which means that she loves shopping. Mm. Chapter one really seemed like it hated women. Waking up next to a deliciously... This is the opening lines of not the prologue. Waking up next to a deliciously hot naked man, one who is in my bed of his own volition, was like the, mo- was like the most glorious feeling in the entire world. Right up there with winning an all-expenses-paid trip to Tahiti on The Price is Right, or have something, someone gift you a 24-hour shopping spree at Barney's and Neiman Marcus all in the same day. Yes, those are things that rated A++ in my book, and having a naked man in my bed uh, topped every one of them. And he topped her, too. Gave her, <laughs> gave her some top. Uh, Maybe I just didn't have what it took to make a real connection with someone unless their last name was Prada or Versace. I had needs, Lame. wants, neuroticisms, all the bells and whistles that went along with being a girl. And my man needed to be as interested in those things that he was in maintaining the balance between good and evil in the universe. That's really annoying. This is supposed to be like uh, witty and funny and sex in the city, you know. Uh, I was beginning to think that maybe my Reaper was pretty grim or whatever. Uh, but it just ends up sounding like she just hates women. Yeah. Uh, but luckily, the author forgets to keep that voice up throughout the rest of the book. So we oh, don't good. get a ton of that. Uh, instead, we just get, as my summary maintained, the gas pedal is pushed all the way down, which is usually fun, except for the fact that the number one person who doesn't understand what's going on is the reader, and the number two person who doesn't understand what's going on is the protagonist. And this is not because there are, like, machinations withheld, like, behind doors within yeah. doors or whatever. She straight up and down is asking questions like, where are we going? What's happening? And every single time, people refuse to answer. And, you like, if the protagonist is clueless about what's going on like you have to let the reader into it in some way right? I like so the reader knows what's happening but the protagonist doesn't otherwise the protagonist needs to know what's going on there yeah there's there's room for like mysteries that the reader is is stuck behind like that you don't know really or anything like that but when there's this much happening and the protagonist is asking People who would know and do have the answers, and they're like, "You're not really asking the smart questions, are you?" Or That's you'll find annoying. out in time. It's in, it's infuriating. Um, it's I said nothing is going nowhere, which is really not specifically true. The rest of the book kind of pops off, uh, but not in a way that is is good in any way. Because this brings us back to Otherworld, which is a crazy go nuts book. But you know what the most important thing, and uh, uh, there's one important room and one important item to the Otherworlds. Kitchen table. There's the kitchen table is the room, and the steno pad is the mm-hmm. important item. They do their crazy shit with nunchucks and a wolf or whatever, and they go back to the kitchen table to discuss, okay, what just happened and what are we going to do next? Yeah. What's this all mean? And then they go do some more crazy shit. They have a sex scene in there if you're reading my books. And then they go back and they do some crazy shit. And this one does not have the room. The only like break we get is when they go to heaven. And it's very... You remember Mad Max Fury Road? I do. Great movie. It's a fantastic movie because it's a, it's a uh, cinematic, you know, it's a visual medium. You get to see all of this happening. It's crazy. If you had to read the novelization of Mad Max where they go out and they come back again. Yeah. Like that was like people were like, there's nothing happened. They went out and they came back again. I'm like, bro, quite literally the journey is the, like, right? Like, yeah. That's it's the, the fun of it. point of the movie. But the, the one like rest we get is going up to the God room and it's seriously probably like four or five chapters, probably... <laughs> a quarter of the book is them making their way up to God's office, three or four pages of her talking to God, where it's basically like, Hey, you know, I made humans because I like that. They're not perfect. I'm not perfect. Angels and demons, they're too perfect or whatever. And then 
She's like, cool, and nothing is really solved, but now she has a plan. She doesn't tell us, and they go back. That's it? That was it. That was, that was the only, like, rest. Hmm. Um, at one point, uh, there's a man who's face down, and it's not until she, like, turns him over that she realizes the man she's been sleeping with for, like, several weeks. It's like, hey... You don't have to see 100% of someone's face to know who they are. Yeah. Like, come on. Uh, especially the, if it's someone that you've spent time with. Sexually. Especially in that way. Yeah. yeah. Uh, well, I suppose he would be more likely to recognize her from behind. Uh, <laughs> hey Susan high-fived me. I didn't. Um, and then just one last stupid thing. The villain does cross her fingers when she's lying. That's she's annoying. A, she's a child. Um, at the end of the book, she fully takes the powers of death. What's that mean? I don't know, because people seem to die all over the world without her doing yeah. anything about it. Uh, death is run as a business with, like, secretaries and stuff, which I would get more into the... Remember when I read the one about the apocalypse and the left behind? I'm like, mm-hmm. leave capitalism, like, whatever. Yeah. This one is not so much, like, capitalism is great as is, wouldn't this be a funky way for the afterlife to work kind of fun yeah. thing? She doesn't actually super, like, you know, believe it. Um, then her boyfriend has become the new devil because they successfully use Cerberus, who is a talking three-headed dog. Uh, to overthrow the devil in hell when he was trying to help our main character's sister take purgatory so that they could install their own puppet death. I don't give a shit. Um, I gotta tell you, this does not really uh, check a lot of things off that I would have taken. Are there any sex scenes? Uh, yes, it's only interrupted. Uh, okay. There's no, there's one with Frank, which I did not bring up. Frank is pitched as like this... Uh, I, I took him to be like Seth Rogen-ish, okay. where he has like a curly kind of afro and mutton chops, and he's kind of like hippy-dippy about it, mm-hmm. and like immediately there's sparks between them. There's all these this, that, and the other thing between them, and she has a boyfriend, but she can't deny this whole thing. She says, hey, I like the vibes you're putting down, but I'm not really available for it, and he's like, oh, yeah, okay, and he uses like illusion magic at one other point, and then he like is trying to hunt her down, turns out they're double-crossing her, uh, and so he's hunting her down, and they meet in a subway station. And they, like, fuck right in the subway station. And she it's pitched as, like, I didn't know what was happening to me. It takes, like, four or five paragraphs. And they fuck, and it's, like, the best orgasm. And I've never done anything like that. I'm a terrible person. And so I'm like, ah, he's an incubus, yeah. right? He's, like, some sort of demon that used magic to sex her. No, he's just, like, a guy. And they just, like... Weird. Yeah, so that was really weird. Uh, so she's the chosen one because she wants to be death. There is no glossary or playlist or cast of characters. Uh, we don't get any time skips. There is no male protagonist. Uh, would you consider a corporation to be a monarchical government? Close enough. Close enough. Uh, she is very much like other girls in a way that uh, hates girls. Uh, yeah, so in the grand scheme of things, it's not really a, a bibliophile bingo uh, terrible book. It just was like, hey, I don't think you outlined this at all, which is one good way to write a book like some people don't outline before they go but at the same time you have to have some sort of like arc or you have to have a plan for you have to have especially an idea. if this is like so this is book three is this three of three like is this a i doubt trill- it okay because uh, i i guess one more we can cross off is the book just ends they break up on the last page hmm. so so like not really a ton to say except for that summary and there's not like a whole lot of uh you know, really super duper interesting stuff, except for all the batshit stuff. But batshit yeah. stuff only works when it's like, whoa! Yeah. And if you're just doing it the whole time, you start to get kind of numb to it. 
Yeah. And it gets, yeah, it gets a little exhausting yeah. after a certain point. You're just like yada, yada, yada. Mm-hmm. I will say I did finish this book before you yet again. I think that's three episodes in a row. It's almost like one of us uh, has time at home, which I know you were with the baby all day, <laughs> but you have nap times and I'm at work. You got really mad at me when I used that excuse when you were on maternity. I know. <laughs> really mad at me. That's fair. How many books have you read uh, not Biblioval in the... Uh, I don't know not Biblioval, but my book total for 2022 is 76. So yeah, like trombones, I finished this before you. I don't yeah. I don't understand that don't segue either. Um, I am out of books for you, so I have not picked one out. I need to go to the library and get you one. But now we are we are down to two books for me from the bargain bin, and I uh, I am out of books to you, so I have to actually go to the library. One or two? No, there's two in there. One or two? Two. You got me the burn zone, which is what I call my this podcast when Susan says something like I got her. Um, they came in peace. That wasn't good enough by James K. Decker. I gotta say, Susan, you're you're riding a thin line. It's sci-fi. You never know if sci-fi is going to be good or not from the I back. I know. All right. But try the back. Okay. It's been a rough day by Sam Shaw. As part of a program that requires humans to act as surrogates to Han infants, Sam has been... Feel like I've seen this something like this before. As a part of a program that requires humans to act as surrogates to Han infants, Sam has been genetically enhanced to bond with them. So when three soldiers invade her apartment and arrest her guardian from smuggling a dangerous weapon into the country, Sam can sense that something isn't right. One of his abductors is a Han masquerading as a human, and the supposedly fragile Han seems to be anything but. I picked this book up from the box. I put it back, but apparently now I wish I would have given it to you. So we'll see what Sam Shao, she of the low-strung jeans and four different tool belts, uh, will have to say about the Han. Mm-hmm. H-A-A-N, not to be confused with the dynasty. Uh, I have, so I have this one, one other one from the bookstore. I have one from the little free library that I've got on deck for you. And I currently have a holdout in the library for the ebook version of... James Patterson by James Patterson. James Patterson's auto in quotes biography. <laughs> well, we'll cross that ghost written bridge when we ghost come yeah. to it. Um, but that I think is going to do it for us this week on Bibliovi. You can find me on Twitter at Dickima. You can find the, the podcast and the uh, bingo card at Bibliovile on Twitter. I'm on Twitter at Susan J. That's S with three U's, S A N J. Our theme music, we're still experimenting with. Yeah. I mean, it's hard to replace a song we heard on NPR and Ames in 2015 out of the blue, and no one has ever heard anything. And, yeah. and the YouTube video for that particular song has fewer than 1,000 views. It's hard to replace that one. It's also hard to replace Amber by 311. Ah, you never can. Uh, Unless we open up Sublime, I guess. Good night, Katie. <laughs>